It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and we are blessed to be with the Progress House today, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. All right. Thank you so much for the love and the support and for uh, hosting the Adam Rich Show. We have with us our guest is the executive director of the Progress House. This is Dennis Bender. Hi, Dennis. How are you? Great. Thanks for coming. I I can't thank you enough for being on the show in front of the live audience. Tell us real quick, uh, what is the Progress House? Uh, Progress House is a 75-bed facility for men. Uh, Many are indigent. uh, Alcohol and drug addictions uh, come to us from all walks of life, all different demographics. And they come there. It's structured, supportive, sober living. And they stay there for extended periods of time, and they get better. And they get better with uh, alcohol addiction problems. It's a recovery house. Um, your connection to the Progress House as executive director, um, what does uh, the Progress House mean to you and your heart? Well, it, it's, it's, it started out as a job and became part of my life pretty much. And, uh, you know, I had my own issues many years ago. November 1990, uh, I was uh, pulled over by some officers, and I asked them why they were pulling me over because I was on my way to watch Monday Night Football. And they said, hey, buddy, this is Tuesday. And uh, that sort of started, uh, started my involvement and interest in recovery. Okay. So uh, sober now how many years? 23. All right. Let's have a round of applause. 23 years sober. That is fantastic. And, uh, and how long have you been with the Progress House? Uh, 12 years, August. 12 years. And so you've, I was talking to you off mic before about some success stories that have come across your desk, and you were like, oh, my gosh, there's too many to mention. Um, maybe talk about, now that you've had a few minutes to think about it, do some of those success stories pop into your head? We can talk about a guy coming in at the end of his rope, rock bottom, spent some time at the Progress House, and now what is he doing today? Uh, again, there's, there's quite a few to pick from. I mean, some went on to uh, accomplish uh, graduate degrees. Uh, some went on, and, and some, you know, maybe academically didn't do those things, but some have been working and supporting the community and their families for 10 years or plus. And, and those are as great a success as someone that went on to medical or dental school or whatever else. Um, many, many of those men that came through there uh, turned their life around. Uh, it's behavioral modification in the sense that it's a daily routine, getting out of the old habits, picking up the new habits, and learning to do those one day at a time. You know, behavior changes are tough, and uh, they don't come easy. And that's why, you know, uh, initially we had guys that stayed there a year, two years, uh, somebody in the back there, two and a half years. Um, So... um, yeah, now we're more structured. We have a new program called a three-quarter house. And uh, after men have a progress house for six months, they go to a, a less restricted um, structure, and they, they stay there and maybe for another six to six months to a year. Well, we support addiction and recovery awareness. We uh, thank you for your hard work. For more information, wherever you are listening, uh, go to progresshouse.org mm-hmm. to learn about addiction and recovery and more about Progress House if you'd like to be involved. Dennis, we can't thank you enough thank you, Adam. for coming Appreciate on the show. And I want to thank uh, everybody here today. Thank you. One more round of applause. Thank you so much for hosting the Adam Litt Show today.
fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. All right, I'm Adam Ritz, and I'm on the West Coast in San Diego with our special guest, Ryan O'Rourke. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Doing well, Adam. How are you? I'm doing uh, wonderful now that I'm in San Diego, and uh, even better now that I'm talking to you as the uh, president and grand poobah of the AFLV uh, Foundation. Yeah, did, I, did I get that right at all? It's pretty close. So I'm uh, sort of the one that's creating all the educational content at the conference and, and making everything connect to itself and just providing a cool experience for students. So. Okay, so to back up, it's a conference. Yeah. AFLV stands for Association of Fraternal Leadership and Values. So right. this is Greek life, sororities, fraternities, and it's about making good decisions and being a leader. Yeah, absolutely. I think all we're trying to do is get the students to make the most of their experience to try to make good decisions and to sort of use it as a catalyst to something great, whether that's on campus or life after college. Uh, so we're really just trying to put a, together an experience that helps them do that. Why do you care? I just believe in the potential of college students. I think we need to be preparing them for uh, to do great things, and I think that that's what our organization does, and I think we're in a better position to sort of move the needle as an external group that can challenge them on some different topics that maybe they're not getting challenged on on their host campus or in their classroom or in their uh, day-to-day experience, and so they get to come out here and, and uh, see, get a broader perspective of, of what's out there and what they might be encountering in the future, and uh, we're just trying to give them the tools to uh, to make it all happen for them. Well, let's start with uh, AFLV. Uh, you're headquartered in Fort Collins, Colorado. Is it a, it's a .org? Is this a foundation, AFLV.org? Yeah, we're a nonprofit organization um, that is also a charitable foundation, and so um, we do some fundraising to support our programs. In addition to these two conferences, we work with our fraternity sorority members uh, doing cultural immersion trips to third world countries, El Salvador, Haiti. Uh, we do a six-day leadership program called uh, AFLV Leadership, where we partner with the organization Leadership. Um, we have a magazine. Uh, a lot of online uh, educational resources, some student organization elements, and that sort of thing. So we're really trying to be a full-service membership organization for college students um, so that they can sort of get outside of their bubble on campus and um, see sort of what the rest of the world's up to in fraternity and sorority. So for our listeners that uh, may have uh, been in a fraternity or sorority in college and they're uh, now they're 40, 50 years old, they make a living, they maybe want to contribute, they can actually donate uh, funding to your organization through your website, yeah. AFLV.org. AFLV.org, absolutely. We uh, are looking for um, really anything to help support our educational efforts. And um, I think for your listeners that maybe you're from that generation, a lot's changed in fraternity and sorority. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we really want to try to maximize the experience for students and, and have them use it as a positive change element. And um, so, yeah, anyone that's welcome to support what we're doing, we, we'd love to have the conversation and, and see if it's a good fit. Ryan O'Rourke is our guest from the AFLV, and uh, you seem like a young guy. Uh, you must have been in a fraternity yesterday. Yeah. What, tell us about your undergrad and where you were. Yeah, I had a very stereotypical experience. As a matter of fact, I was at the University of Central Florida, um, and my fraternity and sorority experience was uh, what you would see in the movies and uh, you know, focused on some of the wrong things. And uh, luckily enough, I was able to get some perspective towards the end of my college career that this could be so much more. And so uh, that's why I dedicated uh, myself to working with these students, just get them to think that, you know, uh, again, you mentioned older listeners of the movie Animal House and the dean in that movie says fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Right. Uh, we, I think that that's a good message for them to understand is that this experience can be way more than potentially what they're putting into it right now. Um, and so, you know, we want them to squeeze this orange for as much juice as they can. And uh, some of that's going to mean challenging some of the stereotypes of fraternities and sororities or some of the realities of the, the poor decisions that are being made on campus. 
We do, we talk a lot about and work a lot with uh, college kids and their fraternity or their uh, philanthropies rather in, in community service. Um, is there a philanthropy angle to AFLV? So we work with a lot of different organizations. Um, uh, for example, at our conference this weekend, St. Jude is a major sponsor. Okay. Um, so really, we are not attached to one uh, charity in particular, but we have several that will come and exhibit at our conference. Obviously, all the students that are here are passionate about yeah. causes and that sort of thing. But it's a big element of what we do is that I think fraternity and sorority should be a catalyst for changing the world and making the world a better place. And so that means uh, helping out causes that the students are passionate about and so we're totally in favor of all that. You know, one of the funny things I think you'll appreciate is some of the feedback I get from uh, covering um, college men and women and their fraternity, their, uh, I keep saying fraternities, yeah. and their uh, philanthropies yeah. is that uh, I'll have a guy my age, I'm 44, I'll have a guy 44 or 54 say, hey I heard your show and I heard them talking about the bike relay they did to carry the football across the country that raised $5,000 for cancer. And I love hearing those stories because those aren't the stories that middle-aged guys tell. Right. Usually when you think of college and, and the stories you're sharing, it's Animal House. Yeah. It's all those, it's the Absolutely. parties. So it's great. I think it's great to uh, bring those stories up. So uh, as you grow older, I know you're in your lower 30s, yep. uh, maybe you have, well, I'll just ask you, do you have a great community service uh, service project or philanthropy that you did 10 years ago at Central Florida that uh, just pops in your head that you want to brag yeah, about? Yeah, there's a couple. I, I think that uh, two that have always stuck with me and continue to be passions of mine is um, at, while I was at the University of Central Florida, I uh, did a lot of volunteer work with uh, getting people to register for blood drives and also just voter registration. And I think when we talk about civic engagement, we often think of the, just the hands-on service element. Uh, but getting this generation to vote, um, I think, is, is something that we'd all be well served by. Uh, I think I read somewhere that the next election, potentially uh, the millennial generation could potentially make up two-thirds of the electorate, right? Yeah. And so if we can really get them engaged in what's happening, both on their local level, national level, uh, even in some regional government, um, I think that we can start to see this generation, like what they want out of the world, right? And so, uh, again, using the fraternity and sorority lens, that could be a really this experience can be something that's really positive and can really catapult them into doing things that make the world a better place. And so uh, to me, I think that was something I love doing in college. And I think what I'd love to impart on today's college students is just get involved in your, your world. However you define your world, get involved in it, see how you can make it better. Uh, and that's really the game at the end of the day. It's great stuff. And real quick, before I let you go, uh, for our college students listening right now that want to learn more about what you do or AFLV, do you have a Twitter that they can uh, yeah, follow you? Yeah, absolutely. They can, uh, they can get me at, at RyanO'Rourke3, but our AFLV Twitter handle is at AFLV. Uh, you can go to our website, AFLV.org. Uh, we're also on all the social media channels, Foursquare, Vine, uh, Instagram, anything like that. You can sort of track the experience that we're having. Uh, but yeah, just encourage you to check it out. I think there's a place uh, for any student to get connected to some of our programs and services um, who we're looking to make more out of the fraternity and sorority experience. So uh, that's who we're looking for, and, and we hope to just expand our reach as we can keep, keep doing this thing and keep uh, making the train go. That's fantastic. Uh, a pleasure having you on the show. Ryan O'Rourke, thank you so much. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. This is Coach McElwain from Colorado State, and you're listening to The Adam Rich Show.
The Adam Rich Show is on location at the American Football Coaches Association National Convention, and we welcome back a friend of the show, Scott Shirley. Hi, Scott. How are you? Hi, Adam. Great to be here. I'm so glad to uh, not only run into you at this convention. It was pre-planned, I have to admit. We wanted (laughs) to get you on the air to talk about your work with Uplifting Athletes. We've showcased your foundation and charity known as Uplifting Athletes several times on the show before, and we're taking advantage of this uh, awesome uh, convention with the American Football Coaches Association, centered and headquartered in Waco, Texas. Yep. Um, I mean, there's big time coaches walking around here, and there's all kind of vendor booths. And you are with um, your own vendor booth with sort of a new, I guess, direction of, of a new part of uplifting athletes. Yeah. You're looking at me like I'm already butchering this, but <laughs> I know I think I'm getting close. Tell us about pledge platform and uh, what this does to help young student athletes raise money for charities it's a it's a really cool story because it started with uplifting athletes and our chapters wanted to find a way to do performance-based fundraising so you know they're already playing games on saturdays they wanted to know if they could raise money for scoring touchdowns and last year we did it with paper and pencil the traditional way and this year we uh try to find a way to automate it and there wasn't anything on the market that did that so we developed it ourselves and uh we use it with florida state in the national championship game and and the players sent out emails to friends and family and uh they pledged five dollars ten dollars a touchdown you know seminoles.com posts a story on their website and all of a sudden you have a couple hundred fans are pledging money and each touchdown's worth a couple thousand dollars and it's uh it's a lot of fun the players are very aware of the impact that their performance on the field has on the cause that they've chosen to raise money for But through that process, we also felt like, you know, there's every amateur sports team in America has fundraising needs. It doesn't always have to be this overtly charitable cause like Uplifting Athletes is. You know, there's high schools that need to raise money for equipment or for travel or youth teams that want to lower registration costs to create more opportunities for kids. So we spun off Pledge Platform to sell and license independently so it doesn't create confusion with Uplifting Athletes, but it still benefits Uplifting Athletes on the back end and it creates new opportunities for amateur athletes around the, around the country. One thing I appreciate as uh, a father of uh, two kids in junior high is that this sort of charity fundraising has nothing to do with selling cookie dough or wrapping paper. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's not product-based. And and every coach that we've talked to here, when you ask them what type of fundraising they do, they roll their eyes and they say, I'd rather go broke than have to sell more cookie dough. Yeah. You know, and and this is fun because it doesn't have the geographic limitations of product-based fundraising do. So you can email your aunt and uncle, you know. Your, your grandparents, the system's fully automated, fully integrated. So after the game ends, your grandmother's getting an email telling her, you know, that, that her grandson's team won. They beat their rival. They, you know, so it gets the fans and the family more engaged and more involved in the lives of the, of the amateur athletes, too. Performance-based fundraising. And I worked at a radio station years ago where we had a relationship with the field goal kicker of, um, of the local you know, team. And every field goal he made, we three, point field, three points, we would donate $300 to his charity. So same type thing. Each player on each college team is sending out an email yep. saying, how much money would you like to donate for every touchdown our team scores? And, yeah, you got a rich uncle that's going to say, I'll give you 500 bucks for every touchdown you score. And then you score 42 points, look out. Yeah. And it's not, like you said, the concept isn't new, but the technology is. Right. And even in that scenario, if the radio station wants to do that again with a kicker, you can then invite your listeners to join you, and they can pledge a dollar per field goal. And all of a sudden, your $300 Ooh. leading pledge 
is turning into a $1,000 total pledge. And, you know, our goal is to talk with some of the players that we have relationships with from uplifting athletes that are currently in the NFL. And in the month of October, ask them to make a leading pledge. Say, for every touchdown I throw, I'm going to give 1000 bucks to breast cancer. Yeah. And when they tweet that out and say to their fans, hey, join me, click here and make your pledge today. And it could literally be, it could be a quarter, it could be a dollar, it could be five, ten, whatever, you know, whatever works for the individual. But just when you accumulate that over the massive following that these athletes have, they can really make a difference. The massive following, I, the light bulb is going off, Scott, because you're right, the, you know, a, a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback from Florida State, a lot of people follow him and want to engage with him and want to donate five bucks for every touchdown the national champion team scores uh, on a local level a radio station i'm going to look into this because yeah. a radio station has tens of thousands of listeners hundreds of thousands of mm-hmm. listeners and if you can get everybody to donate one dollar for a touchdown scored after the game you could have two hundred thousand dollars raised sure and the radio station can take a lot of pride in being the catalyst for that Not i'm a- working on that i'm i'm emailing you tomorrow and we're going to do this from a media perspective yeah you're doing this from the athlete yeah. and the and the college football team mm-hmm. perspective i want to get on the media into this and help yeah. you that would be awesome. Okay, so Scott Shirley's our guest. Uh, you know him as the executive director and founder of Uplifting Athletes, which is real quick. It's a charity raising money for rare disease based on your personal story with your father that you lost about 10 years ago. Uh, did I miss anything? Uh, no, I mean, it's player run. We have about 25 schools around the country now, uh, half the Big Ten, half the ACC, at least one school in every major conference. And uh, it's really a great life skills learning opportunity for them. It's it's a... Um, and I really, most importantly, it's player run. There's not one administrator or paid coach that, that works on this charity. It's the players that do it. Right, and that's even with the Florida State story. It was a kid that transferred from Penn State to Florida State, tore his ACL. He's, he's laying on the rehab table, and the light bulb goes off for him. Hey, I was part of this great organization at Penn State. I'd love to bring it down here to Florida State. So he brought it down to Florida State, and then it was the chapter of uplifting athletes that did the touchdown pledge drive. They, they did the first one against Syracuse, and Jameis Winston runs off the field and high-fives Coach Fisher and says, we're making bank, Coach, because they were raising money for <laughs> Fanconi anemia research in honor of Jimbo's son, Ethan. Right. I remember that. Okay. Yeah. And Uplifting Athletes, is it as simple as upliftingathletes.org? It is, yeah. Okay. Check that out. And now to uh, pledgeplatform.com. Yep. Easy enough. All right. Scott Shirley, always a pleasure having you on the show. We look forward to having you back on. Let's take this sort of radio station local team, maybe to the NFL level, uh, and see how much money we can raise through Pledge Platform for uh, charities with football and scoring and performance-based charities. Check out PledgePlatform.com. Scott, always a pleasure. Scott Shirley, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Adam. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social, technically. Adam Ritz in Orlando, Florida, with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross. Hi, Jim. Hey, how you doing, Adam? I'm telling you, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, your consultancy work with the WWE, you work with new talent, you're looking for the next big stars That's with right. world wrestling. What are you looking for besides the big guy, the muscles, uh, the personality? What else goes into it from your point of view? I'm a big uh, guy on character. Uh, I think that uh, character is so important. Yes, we want guys to have outgoing personalities that are athletic, but uh, they, they, uh, they, they, have, they have to have character. They have to know that their decisions that they make, are some of them are, are for a lifetime. And uh, being knuckleheads uh, is not a good thing. If you want to make big money, you don't want to be on the babysitter's list. You don't want to be uh, high maintenance. Be a man, be a player, 
step forward and take responsibility for your actions. And it's totally different now with social media, Twitter, right. Facebook. I mean, growing up, I'm sure when you were a young man, you might have made a few decisions that nobody knew about. Now, everything these guys do is traced and trackable online. Well, you know, uh, the people that grew up in my generation had an advantage because we were off the radar. And yes, I did plenty of things that uh, I'm not too happy about that I'm not going to run tell my grandchildren <laughs> that what grandpa did back in the day. But we're not back in the day anymore. We're in this day. And in this day, uh, you're tracked. Your DNA is viral in a heartbeat. So if you're stupid and you, you tweet when you're angry or you're, you're emotional or you're impaired for whatever reason, uh, be ready to pay the consequences and make good decisions in a day in a day out basis. It's simply a fact of just do right. Use your brain and do right and don't be the knucklehead that somebody's got to be. The, you're the high maintenance baby because no one is so good that, that uh, management will put up with them forever, uh, making sure that they keep them out of trouble. Somewhere along the way, you cease being good enough. Yep. And it's best to cut ties and say adios. Yeah, talent level will get you so far, will get you so many chances. But if you use up your chance, your chances could outweigh your talent level for sure. Jim Ross is our guest. He is a world wrestling uh, and entertainment uh, legend, Hall of Famer. Do you have a Hall of Fame ring you said? I yet? Do. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're just a legend here with WWE. And uh, we're talking social media, Twitter. You have an amazing Twitter uh, following, almost a half a million people. What is that uh, Twitter handle? Uh, at J-R-S-B-B-Q. And let me tell you, I'm 60 years old, and I sent out tweets that were ill thought out, and in hindsight, or were hurtful to people, uh, that I'd, but I didn't intend for it to be. They weren't profane, but they were insensitive. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I was guilty of responding to someone that made me angry. And I, I tweeted in anger, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and I made a mistake. So you, you, you have to, and once it's out there, it's out there. Then it goes, it goes everywhere. And uh, so I, I'm still very careful on, on how I tweet and how I handle people. And it's real simple. If someone POs you and you're angry, there's a little button there called block. Yeah. Don't deal with them. Yeah. Don't deal with them. That's, that's a good decision. <laughs> the bad decision is to respond to them and, and, to, and to validate their, their ignorance with your ignorance. Just don't do it. Jim Ross is also uh, an advocate uh, for um, the awareness level of uh, Bell's palsy uh, as a, um, I guess, a sufferer. How would you describe it? Uh, with the affliction, how do yeah. you describe this thing? Well, they say you're a victim, I guess. I've had it three times, which is uh, unheard of. And uh, the last one kind of got me off the air on TV on a regular basis. I still have the remnants of it around my, underneath my uh, newly grown uh, beard here. Uh, can't smile, can't show my teeth. Uh, I think people think that I'm always uh, PO'd and angry. I'm not. I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, but I'm trying to keep a, create some awareness for Bell's palsy. A lot of people are, are getting it. They tweet me. I give them encouragement and, and some things to watch for. And, but, you know, when you first get it, you think, man, I'm having a stroke. Your face sags. You're paralyzed on one side of your face. Uh, I had to tape my eyes shut to sleep. You're hearing sensitive, your tongue goes numb, your speech is slurred. Uh, and for someone that is on the air, and I never was exactly the matinee idol to start with, and then you get a couple of three bouts of Bell's palsy, it doesn't do you any favors. But I've always looked at it as uh, it was part of my journey. 
that was part. That's one of the cards that was dealt to me in this hand of life, so to speak. And as you and I were talking, I'm a big Oklahoma football fan, and I on the sideline for all their games. And when I walk by the handicap section, and I see people young and old sitting in a wheelchair in the handicap section, I know that more than likely, unfortunately, they're never going to get out of those chairs. And I'm walking by, and so me and my boo-boo face. Uh, Bell's palsy is a small uh, issue in the big picture, so that's how I, I, I approach it. Did it adversely affect my career? Yes, but did it, 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 does it define me? Heck no, it doesn't define me, nor will it ever. It's an inspiration. Uh, Jim Ross, uh, WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at JRSBBQ. And uh, you still work with the WWE as a consultant with talent development. We wish you the best of luck. And i got to tell you, I'm honored to have you on the show. Oh, thank you, sir. You're, thank you very much. And, again, you know, if you want to be a great athlete, you want to be successful in whatever you're going to do, don't be the knucklehead that the management's got to babysit from day in and day out. You're not that good. Get to know Adam at AdamRitz.com. Get to know the radio show at AdamRitzShow.com. We're going to talk about fellowship and family with our next guest, Bishop Bonnie Radden. Hi, Bishop. How are you? I'm doing fantastic today. Thank you, Adam. I can't thank you for your time and joining us on the show. Uh, we are at the National Convention for TFAM, which is the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. First of all, just tell us and our listeners, uh, what is the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries? Well, the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries was started 13 years ago. In fact, we're celebrating our 13th year here in Las Vegas at our national convention uh, by um, Bishop Yvette Flunder out of San Francisco, California. Her mission and her vision was to gather individuals throughout the world through what we call radical inclusion, meaning that anyone is welcome at the table. Uh, we have churches all over the United States, as well as Uganda, Hong Kong, Mexico. Uh, we have uh, um, close to 400 churches now in 13 years, um, and the, the organization is growing and growing. So it's definitely, it's not just a convention or a group of people. This is a church. Um, people go to a building and worship. Absolutely. Almost every single individual who's here is from either a ministry, what we call a ministry, or a church. But I would say 99% of them are from a church. And your organization, who are you representing? Um, I'm the senior pastor in Long Beach, California, um, of Refiners Fire Fellowship, United Church of Christ. Additionally, I serve in the fellowship as the West Coast Regional Bishop, and I oversee about 135 churches. So it's the uh, Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. Um, can you tell us why, why is this church different from, from your average church? I mean, I've, I'm at this convention. I can see uh, in everybody's eyes I, there's something different about this place, and I, I can't put my finger on it. You put your finger on it for us. Well, let me say that for many, many years, um, the church has marginalized, particularly LGBT folks, and um, have very much wounded them and um, ousted them. Um, this organization, and it, it is exactly that. It's not a denomination. It is what it is, a fellowship, um, welcomes everyone to the table, LGBT, straight, uh, whoever you are, you are welcome at this table. And uh, it, it is just utterly and completely amazing. Well, that transcends, me, and that's the look in everybody's eye. Everybody's welcome. And, and nobody knows who I am walking around here, and I feel welcome. So thank you for welcoming me into your organization. Absolutely, and it's a joy, Adam. And, uh, you know, we just believe that, you know, God is about, it, God is in everyone. And so everyone, I, I need you and you need me, and there's no reason for us to uh, marginalize each other. So I'm excited. 
Our guest is Bishop Bonnie Radden from Long Beach, California, here in Las Vegas at the National Convention for the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. And you were telling me off mic about what you do with people in Zimbabwe, this uh, orphanage. Can you tell us more about that? That's amazing. Absolutely. In 2007, I went to visit a different orphanage through the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. We'll take another trip this year in February. And I got connected with a a lady in my hotel who was selling um, little pieces of art made out of um, PVC pipe. And, um, you know, I I had this piece about uh, the orphans there. There's lots and lots of orphans behind uh, the HIV-AIDS epidemic. And I was walking by a trash can one day, crying and weeping, and picked up a soda can and said, what can we do with this? Um, I didn't want to come back and show people pictures of a child. I wanted to build some self-esteem in them. And so what we started was called the Art House. At my orphanage, the Art House, which is in Harare, Zimbabwe, we make, the kids make artwork, and we bring it, I bring it back here to the United States and sell it, and 100% of those profits go to these kids. Now, these kids, what they want to do is they want to go to school. School is not free there. They call me constantly, Bishop, please, we want to go to school. They want to go to school. They have to buy their uniforms and live, and so it is utterly amazing. It doesn't take a lot, but this artwork supports their lives, and it's, it's amazing. How often do you get over there? Once a year. Try to get there once a year. I'm attempting to raise $25,000 this year to build actually an art studio for them. Right now we have them making the artwork on a table in a backyard. That's uh, unbelievable. And how uh, is there a digital property where our listeners can go look at their artwork, maybe purchase some of it or, or donate to your cause? We're building one right now that will be the Art House Harari. Dot com, okay. And um, it should be available in about probably another two weeks. Oh, that, that is uh, inspiring as heck. Not only your work with, with the church, but with orphans in Zimbabwe. You're helping out across the, across the planet. You're paying, your, you're paying your, share, your fair share here. Let me say this. <laughs> I have a saying in life, and it's this. You can't change the whole world, Adam, but you can change the one you, one you live in. And so I just believe that it is my call in life to change the world that I live in and to give back. That is great. Before I let you go, let's talk about the digital properties for the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. What's that website, and how can we look at your maybe your Facebook or Twitter? Um, it's radicallyinclusive.com. You can find my church at refinersfirefellowship.com.org and .net. She's uh, Bishop Bonnie Raiden. I can't thank you enough for your time. You have a great time in this conference. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adam. It's been a joy, and thank you for allowing me this privilege and opportunity. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.